You're listening to Talking Smart. The official podcast of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. This is Paul Pimentel, and I am joined today by my co-hosts, Michael Blaine from Smart Communications and Ben Nagy from Smart TV Communications. As we've been doing for the past year and a half, we are recording remotely due to the pandemic. Welcome to the 17th episode of Talking Smart. Each month, we bring you news, guests, and discussions of interest to smart members and working families across the United States and Canada. September was Suicide Prevention Month. This episode is focused on suicide prevention, substance abuse disorder, and all the resources and support available to our members through the SMART Member Assistance Program, or SMART Map. Our guest today is Chris Carlo, SMART's Director of Education and a man who wears many hats in our union. Besides preparing new generations of union leaders for the tasks that they have ahead of them when they start their careers, he also runs SMART Map. When I hear that we have people that need help, I think back to when I needed help and and the call was received and and I got the help that I needed. And I believe it's my duty to go and do the same thing for our members and the families that are out there that are struggling. In addition, listen for the open mic segment with Smart General President Joseph Sellers at the end of this episode. He responds to questions about the suicide prevention trainings that Smart is hosting and how they can help connect smart members in crisis with member assistance programs. We want to promote help seeking, right? So people that need help, where do they go and how would they get that? And then provide training for help giving so that those members going through the training would be able to give them that help at that moment of time and give them some guidance of where to go. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Great to hear you. So before we begin, we mentioned the Smart Members Assistance Program. Can you give us a rundown of uh, what exactly it is? Yeah, no, uh, thanks for the question. So our Smart Members Assistance Program is really, it's an education piece, it's an awareness piece, and it's also an action piece. Um, it, it, It centers around mental health and specifically substance use disorder, like substance abuse, and suicide prevention for our members and their families. We run different programs throughout the year. Through COVID, a lot of it has been uh, online through Zoom, but this is something we've been doing for, for many, many years. And the whole idea is to have a conversation around some issues that traditionally have been difficult to talk about and expand that conversation throughout the local unions. Can you tell us a little bit, Chris, about what is that sparked this union to start a program such as this? Yeah, so as education director, I run programs with everything from leadership and communication to representation and organizing for all of our elected and appointed people. And we were putting together a program for advanced business representatives. And one of the questions was always coming up with with people that were just getting into representation work was, how do we go about representing our members that are going through crisis? I mean, like, heck, I'm just a sheet metal worker and I'm and now a business representative. What do I know about uh, heroin uh, abuse and alcoholism? And so we kind of put together an advanced reps class. And what started with, I guess it was uh, the very first training we did was about four hour piece on mental health and a four day program. 
And it, it would seem like the more we would talk about not only substance use disorder and later suicide prevention, but mental health in general and how to get our members that help and assistance, the more we would talk about it, the more our people wanted to have more information. You know, it, it's one of these things where if you don't, if you don't have any direct experience or personal experience with it, then you have no point of reference. Uh, it's one thing to, to learn welding and be able to teach it. Uh, it's, it's another to try and pass along some information in mental health that, uh, with an experience that you don't have. So really it started with a piece around representation and really morphed into over the years, a full on education piece with your training component. So kind of a, a two-pronged question, Chris. There's been some studies that have shown that there's higher rates of drug and alcohol abuse in the construction industry. And then there's also been some stuff over the last 18 months showing that overall in the United States, in North America, substance abuse has increased during the pandemic. What kind of issues are, are you seeing that are on the rise? And has this gotten worse or gone even higher during the pandemic? I appreciate those questions. And, and getting back to the, the original thought about the industry itself, construction industry has the second highest incident of substance use disorder. People in the construction industry have been using substances for years and years and years to mask the pain, to handle the, the demands of a very physical job. We also have the highest rate of suicide, which really is a, a mental health issue, one of the top concerns for us because it's such a permanent uh, end. And so we link those two together. So we're starting off with high rates of suicide and high rates of substance use disorder. And then you throw a pandemic on top of that where people are now having all these other different stresses in their world about finances, about being able to make the mortgage payment, make the car payment, things like that. And so with the stress of that, not just construction, but pretty much as a society as a whole, we are having higher uh, rates of use of different substances, whether illegal or not. One of the things we're seeing a rise in You've heard it in, in the news for, for years now about opioids and painkillers and the addiction that comes with that and all of the things that have been going on and how it was marketed to us and to construction. We have higher rates of prescription overdoses and things like that. Where we're starting to see upticks are in cocaine and methamphetamine. And so usually when there's a little bit of a, a leveling off with opioids, there's an upsurge with amphetamine. So cocaine, methamphetamine, we're seeing a lot of our people have some issues with that. Fentanyl, which is a extremely potent and dangerous opioid, it's something that they're actually cutting into cocaine. So they're, they're mixing it in and you're buying it, you're getting both. It's like a, a speedball that you didn't know you were getting. And so that is becoming a bigger issue. Methamphetamine is actually stronger and more addictive than it's been in recent years. And so those are the two things that we're starting to see more during this pandemic. So Chris, specifically with the construction industry, I know that the suicide rate is a big problem, but what some people might not be aware of is the way that the transportation industry is arranged, especially on freight rail, people work uh, are basically on call 24-7. So the kind of attraction to, uh, to stimulants and uh, the need for stimulants also is a problem for freight rail members as well. Uh, just because if you have to report to work at 
2.30 in the morning, three in the morning, and you just got off of work eight hours ago and you have the two hour call, it's a challenge to get up and, and get your body moving. Yeah, that's one of the things that people tell themselves is that abusing drugs sometimes can can seem like there's a good reason for it, right? So the construction worker that's got a bad back, he's having some some serious issues. And and, and so he's, it's like, I'm pre-gaming, I got to get ready to go to work. And and so I'm taking some pain pills to be able to get out there and do the job. The problem with it, with that kind of thinking is that these are short-term solutions to, to long-term problems. Right. So I get the idea that the employer, that the operator is trying to get people and scheduling them back to back shifts and, and things like that. But I, I would caution any of our members that are trying to use some of these substances that it really is a short term solution. And, you know, if you end up getting popped with a drug test, you're going to have even more problems than being up for the job. But when it comes to, to pain and reducing pain, and managing pain, there are methods that we use and that we can develop that will be better for the member long-term. When it comes to opioids, they were never meant to be used long-term. They start to lose their effectiveness. And what ends up happening is you get caught in the cycle of addiction. And uh, Chris, to be clear, for uh, both these MAT programs, it's available to both folks on the sheet metal side and then also on the transportation division side. This is an overarching program that can serve both transportation and sheet metal members. Yeah, no, absolutely. The Smart MAT program is for everybody that is a member of Smart. And while we are actively doing a lot of work with our construction side and doing a lot of peer mentoring training, I know that on the uh, transportation side, they have an Operation Red Block that was uh, developed and established years and years ago uh, to try and help our members on the transportation side get into treatment and really protect themselves from some of these issues. Uh, so Operation Red Block was established uh, decades ago, like mid-1980s, uh, mid and it's currently the main assistance program for CSX and, and UP. Uh, there were a lot of other carriers that uh, were involved with it, but uh, some of them have kind of split off. The system coordinator for CSX is Mike P. Jackson. Uh, he's a TD member out of Local 1374, and members who work for CSX who need assistance can contact him at mikeorb at yahoo.com. Uh, UP also has an Operation Red Block coordinator. He's out of Local 367. His name is Matt Schumacher, and he can be contacted at mssschuma at up.com. The Operation Red Block programs, they're sort of independent. Uh, one's independent of the other, and they, they're looked at as more of a triage uh, rather than kind of like the traditional hotline. So what they do is they're a really good entrance point to encourage members to enter into the carrier's employee assistance programs. Uh, those are called e EAPs. Federal law requires all radial carriers to mandate uh, self-help programs, uh, the EAPs. Uh, they go by different names uh, with the carriers, but we should see them as a trusted and reliable resource for members uh, so they can get the help with any issues that they have, mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, there's also the health and welfare coverage uh, covered by the National Rail Agreements uh, has uh, mental health and substance abuse benefits uh, administered by uh, Optum. The telephone numbers for those are on a website uh, called Your Track to Health. And that's www.ytth.com. 
Uh, Optum also has an emotional support helpline for folks who can call up 866-342-6892. The bus members, it's a little bit different procedure, so you can't really speak as broadly as we can with the rail who have the EAPs established because each carrier has a different contract uh, with different health coverage. Uh, generally, the Affordable Care Act mandates that bus employees have access to mental health services that go through the employer-provided health and welfare plans. So bus members need to talk to their local reps or uh, general chairpersons to get the specific information about what is covered. And let me add, I, I believe it might have started in CSX, but it is definitely a union-initiated program that was supported by management there. And so uh, Bobby Bonds was a guy that worked uh, on Amtrak, one of our transportation members, and he, he really was one of the key initiators of that program. After years of gridlock, we finally have an infrastructure framework by a bipartisan group of lawmakers that will fund a $1.2 trillion investment in our roads, bridges, rails, energy network, ports, airports, and more. It's a great start, but it can be better. Contact Congress today and ask them to pass an infrastructure package with strong labor standards, robust funding for school construction, and strengthened rail and transit safety provisions. To contact your members of Congress, text the words Build Back Better to 21333. Message and data rates may apply. So for members listening right now, uh, what signs should they be looking for for when it comes to interact with their coworkers? When they, what should they be looking for to see if there's a problem? So you, you know who you're working around. And if you have a sense of somebody that you've been working with, it's kind of like the changes, right? So if there's a change in behavior, change in social groups, physical appearance, maybe the person used to be uh, always on time, or maybe that he was that guy that was always a little bit early and now he's starting to show up late, uh, maybe a little disheveled, maybe there's, um, there's a lack of energy or there's like excessive energy. Uh, just where they seem a little off, you know, if there's somebody that you're, you've been working with and they're showing up different, that would be one of the things that should ring a bell. So if you come across someone that you feel is in trouble or having an issue, what should you do? You don't want to be like reporting people, right? You want to be helping people. And it seems like there might be a line there, a tricky line sometimes. How do you do it in a way that you're helping people that are in need? No, no, I, I get it. And, and, and yeah, the obvious thing is we want to reach out to our members and we want to let them know we care. And, and if you're worried about somebody, sometimes it helps to just say, hey, man, I'm, I'm worried about you. Obviously, there's some things going on. I'm here to talk to you and I'm there for you if you think you need to get some help. I think that one of the things for sure is if you have the smart app, pull it up. And there's a, an indicator there that if you're in crisis, you click on that and you get to our smart member assistance program a hotline. There's a gal on there. Her name is Daria. And Daria is a licensed clinical social worker. She does a lot around substance use disorder. And she's really, for a lot of people, a good first call. And so, yeah, we're not looking to, to rat out anybody. We want to make sure the job sites are safe, though. And if somebody is under the influence at work, they're a danger to the people around them as well as themselves. And so we want like an intervention to be maybe a little more forceful to make sure things don't get worse. But yeah, initiating the conversation and doing it from a place of empathy 
like uh, I've been in that place or I helped other people. Let me try and help this person. That's where we want to be. So can you tell us about uh, some of the groups that uh, Smart partners with? And we also, I think, have a, a pretty long process in order to kind of vet them out so that they provide the uh, services that they need and the support. So can, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. When we talk about partners, let's talk about our internal partners first. SmartMap actually runs inside of SMOA, the Sheet Metal Occupational Health Institute Trust, run by Randy Kroger. Randy's the administrator there, great guy out of local 18 in Wisconsin. And so Randy is our health and safety expert. We folded this program into SMOA because substance use disorder, suicide prevention, these are health and safety issues. In fact, it's really this generation's health and safety crisis. And so Randy runs runs the program there. They hired a guy named Ben Court. Ben is a guy that is our subject matter expert in a lot of things. Like myself, we're both guys that are in recovery. We've been in, we've been in recovery from drugs and alcohol for a really long time. And, and Ben is a guy that we use to help us vet our treatment centers. One of the things that is painfully obvious in this country, because we do not regulate this industry, is there are a lot of bad actors in the substance abuse treatment center world. We, we tell our local unions and, and families that if you need to access a drug and alcohol treatment center, do not Google drug and alcohol treatment centers near me because some of the worst actors will pop up. And so we have developed a list of what we would call preferred providers, uh, maybe call them centers of excellence. And really what they're designed to do is get in a particular area, the best treatment options for our members and their families. They're not looking to raid your health plans. They provide quality care in a lot of different mediums and whether it be inpatient or intensive uh, outpatient treatment or residential care or any of the other areas that we promote. So that's kind of like in a nutshell where some of our providers are. We have them around the United States. We're also working to provide some contacts up in Canada for our members up north. So yeah, it's been a whole part of our process is vetting treatment centers and keeping on top of that process, which does take a while because site visits are in order when we decide on a treatment center and we start taking a look at them, their clinical director is very important and the quality of care that they put in their treatment plans is things that we look at. You know smart members can access the smart web app by texting the word app to 21333. Updated this summer with new and enhanced features, this smart app has something for every member. This includes a new TD electronic membership card, easy access to your current membership information, a page dedicated to what's going on at your local, as well as access to TD safety condition reports. These combined with the sheet metal, label it, scan it, report it feature, makes it the most dynamic union app available. Once again, text the word app to 21333. Message and data rates may apply. So Chris, SmartMap has a training program, right? That includes both theoretical knowledge and some basic skills needed for crisis interventions. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? And if somebody were interested, how do they sign up or get on a, into a training? We've been doing education and training in our local unions for beginning about eight years ago when we did our first one. Before COVID, we were running three-day in-person trainings. We were also doing 
three-day in local trainings for our peer mentor training. We're doing those online right now and by ask from the business manager. So I know we're looking to get into the local unions in uh, the fall and winter of this year, you know, provided that public health concerns around COVID, we could do it safely. So I would say reach out to your business manager and have them, uh, have them contact me. They all know how to get in, in touch with me. And we can set some education and training for your locals, your apprenticeship uh, side and, and prospective peers. We want to train on what substance use disorder looks like, what we do to help prevent suicides and having that discussion and talk around that very difficult subject. Uh, we talk a little bit about ethics and confidentiality around this work. And, and really work on getting local union resources for a particular local union. And really, I want to say this, one of the most important things about this program, we, we can have all, all, of the, all of the subject matter experts, and really interesting speakers to listen to, but what it really boils down to is having respected and empathetic union members that are there. Because going into drug and alcohol treatment can be a really scary proposition. I did it myself. And it's one of those things that it's pretty easy to stay sober when you're in a treatment center. Not, not that it always happens, but it's not one of the more difficult things. The hard part is when you come back out and you spill back into the old life that you had, you probably left with a lot of wreckage. It'll still be there. And being able to have somebody, union member that, that cares about you and, and is there by your side and says, we can go through this together or you know, why don't you come hang out with us after work? It, it means a lot, it means the world. That's the kind of connection that we highlight and we try to build in our local unions. So if that sounds like it's something that's interests you and something you would like to see in your local union, reach out to your business manager agent, have them, have them get in touch with me and we will work to get something in your local union. So Chris, I noticed on the Smart Map website, there's a, a training called Welcome to Weed Country that's being offered four times this fall. And the description of the class speaks to how locals that are in states where recreational and medical marijuana are allowed under the law are facing growing questions around its impact on, on members and contractors. Could you just say a little bit about that, like the need for that and what that training does? Yeah, no, I, I'd love to. And, and also, let me just say that if any of our listeners are interested in popping on one of these trainings, those particular trainings, the mental health break, and the uh, Welcome to Weed Country are both two-hour online through Zoom trainings, and they're there for our members and our families to, to pop in and learn a little bit of something. The Welcome to Weed Country is really interesting. I, I mentioned that uh, Ben Court was someone that was hired as a consultant through Smoet, and Ben is our subject matter expert on weed. He comes from ground zero in the legalized weed industry in Boulder, Colorado, and has seen that experiment up close. I think one of the things that's really interesting is that, and I get it, our, our members are like, hey, it's legal. Why shouldn't I be able to smoke when I get off work? It's just like drinking a beer. And that may be true. The thing that you'll learn in this training, though, is really it all comes down to the testing. And, and the example is used that there, there could be a couple of us hanging out on the weekend, drinking some beers and smoking some weed. And you go into work on a, on a Monday or Tuesday, get into an accident and you're, you're tested. And uh, let's say there's two people that were in the accident. The one person didn't have anything in their system. Maybe they were just drinking some beer over the weekend. And the person that's smoking, they're, they're going to get pulled for 
uh, having marijuana in their system. And I just probably didn't do the greatest job of explaining it, but it, it really does come down to testing and having a viable testing option, which we do not have in the US right now. And so it's to learn a little bit more about it and to get some of the, some of the facts behind what's going on there. Chris, um, I remember being in one of, those, one of those classes where that presentation was given by you and Ben a couple of years ago. And um, one thing I noticed, if maybe you want to talk a little bit about that, is, is weed is not what it used to be back in the 70s and 80s, right? Um, it's changed quite a bit. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, yeah, sure. I, I guess what we're talking about is the THC content, right? So uh, marijuana has the two main components, CBD and THC. THC is the stuff that gets you high. If you were smoking in the late 70s like I was, uh, you might have been smoking about um, 6 8% THC. But really, when it comes to the advances in agriculture, if, if you will, and some of the other uh, advantages of being able to produce marijuana legally, they have that flower, the plant, up to close to 50% THC. And then when you get into the concentrates, like the waxes and dabs and some of the other things, you end up with some really potent, high THC products that for somebody like me who hasn't consumed in a really long time, I don't really know what the heck weed is because uh, I don't know. But people that are out there that have experienced uh, legalized marijuana, it's a lot more potent. So Chris, we noted at the top of the episode that this week is Suicide Prevention Week. This whole month is Suicide Prevention Month. What sort of things is SMART doing internally and with partner organizations around this issue this month? So SMART is working with Smoet and SPACNA and uh, a company called uh, Working Minds in the construction industry, along with Lynn Lease, to produce a one-hour suicide prevention training for our members. And so we've actually been actively engaged in train-the-trainer sessions. These are seven-hour train-the-trainer sessions to get our people certified to be able to, to have this discussion, have this conversation with our members. The idea is the, the more we can talk about it, the more we can kill the stigma, which is really eating at being, our, our being able to help people. So we're killing the stigma a little bit. We're, we're telling stories and, and we're, we're talking about some really difficult things. And so the, the suicide prevention training is something that we're hoping to get out to our members as well, really starting this September and continue for the next year to get as many of our members trained uh, around suicide prevention as possible. Okay, uh, Chris, last question for you. Um, so you've been very heavily involved in spearheading uh, the MAP, the education efforts, many other efforts across the union uh, over, your, over the years and over your career. And you've brought a really intense focus and are super passionate about this. What really motivated you to get involved in this issue? Well, no, I appreciate that question the most, I think. And I, I've, I've hinted in and around it a, a little bit. I'm, I'm a guy that uh, is, is in recovery with drugs and alcohol. I've been in uh, recovery most of my adult life, and I've been through this. I have been through the, the whole process of needing help, asking for help, denying I needed help, asking again, and being the recipient of a second chance in life is really what it boils down to. 
and, and so that's the thing. When I hear that we have people that need help, I think back to when I needed help and, and the call was received and, and I got the help that I needed. And I believe it's my duty to go and do the same thing for our members and the families that are out there that are struggling. It's not an easy path, but there is a path. And I believe that we have some of the best resources that anyone could possibly need. And so let's go use them. Let's go get our members that need some help. And with some compassion and some empathy, let's get them to the places where they need to be. And then most importantly, support them when they're on their way out so we can improve the quality of life for people that are in our union. Chris, I know you handle a lot more than education here in this union. Um, and it's not just smart map training, but you're also heavily involved in our strategic planning. You're heavily involved in our outreach to a broad range of different groups, right? In terms of making this union more inclusive. And you've always been at the forefront of our efforts like that. You're a busy man. We really appreciate you having the time, taking the time to be on this podcast today. You know, on behalf of everybody, I want to thank you for being here. And uh, thank you for everything you've done for this union. I've known you, I think, about 17 years. And back then you were organizing and got involved in so much more. I really want to thank you for being here today. Uh, hey, listen, I, I appreciate all the work that you do, Paul, uh, Mike, and, and Ben. I, I appreciate all the things that you do. It was an honor to be asked. Thank you. And I appreciate all the things that our union is doing, too. You're listening to Talking Smart. Mobilize, organize, unionize. Do you have story ideas or have a question for the general president or union leadership? Call us toll-free at 844-984-0947 with your questions or ideas. Once again, 844-984-0947. This brings us to the Q&A section of the podcast, and we're joined again by General President Joseph Sellers. Uh, President Sellers, how are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Ben, and uh, thank you, uh, Michael and Paul, for for inviting me to this open mic segment again. And thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you as a guest, uh, President Sellers. So this podcast dealt with the Member Assistance Program, and also uh, it coincides with Suicide Prevention Month. Can you tell us a little bit about the suicide prevention training that SMART is hosting? Yeah, so we have been working as part of an initiative with Lend Lease and the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. Uh, right now, we're currently working towards getting 100 trainers to deliver a one-hour training session on suicide prevention to our entire membership. That would be across the United States and Canada. Many years ago, as you probably heard earlier in the podcast, we established the SMART Members Assistance Program, and that includes training on suicide prevention, mental health, and substance use disorder. As a matter of fact, during uh, Hurricane Harvey, we established a SMART helpline, and I'll give you that number right now. Our SMART helpline is 877-884-6227. That's 877-884-6227. That helpline was established at a, during a hurricane when families and members were in crisis in the Texas and the Panhandle there, when 50 inches of rain flooded so much, it gave so much damage to that region. 
we put this helpline up for, you know, just for members' help, members' assistance. How can we lean on each other? How can we help each other? How can we understand that they are not alone? So we continue to work towards these education programs to help our members and their families get through uh, that moment when they're in crisis or when they're sustained in a setting that, uh, that needs assistance, whether it's suicide prevention, whether it's mental health or substance use disorder. Uh, you know, families are, are in crisis and we wanna be there for them. There's also a uh, smartmaptraining.org website that you know, people can go to to get additional information. Well, you, you mentioned uh, this training. Uh, what are some of the purposes uh, of the training? I mean, obviously they're there to educate and create some awareness of suicide prevention across our industries, uh, but uh, what are some of the other focuses? Some of the other focuses are to create a forum for dialogue, to have critical thinking about mental health challenges, to be able to identify somebody that's having crisis and maybe get them to the helpline or get them to the member's assistance program or get them in some settings, an employee assistance program, an EAP, ours is an MAP, a member's assistance program, but getting them to that point where they can seek help, having that conversation and, and being able to give them that phone number or give them that website or or uh, you know, help them at that moment. And we want to promote help seeking, right? So people that need help, where do they go? And how would they get that? How, how would they identify another brother or sister that's on the job site or at the workplace that would help them? So help seeking, and then provide training for help giving so that those members going through the training would be able to give them that help at that moment in time and give them some guidance of where to go. You know, we're not mental health professionals, but if we can get them from one moment to the next moment in suicide prevention, that may be what it takes to get them to a, a professional that can help discuss their issues or whether it's a mental health or something else to maybe get them out of that moment where they're thinking about the value of their life. It's a great point looking at it from, I mean, you see in the headlines, uh, you mentioned that it was Hurricane Harvey that was sort of the impetus of the creation of the helpline. And, you know, we read all over in the newspapers and online with, you know, huge natural disasters. I mean, we recently had Ida uh, come through and just, it was a catastrophe for a number of our regions. But you know, looking at it from a micro perspective, it's very, very important to realize that it might not be a hurricane that is causing a crisis in a member's life. And as you said, you know, it's important to recognize this. You know, suicide, really, it is a problem in our industries, is it not? It certainly is. Across our industries, suicide has a very high rate in each sector of our industry. I'm from the construction sector, so I'll just give you, you know, some numbers that I'm aware of. Uh, in one year, approximately 5,900 people in construction die by suicide. 5,900. Now, we work in the construction industry. It's a dangerous business. A lot of times, there's what they call the fatal four. Fatal four is falls, struck by an object, electrocution, or what's called the caught in between, between a device and maybe a wall or, or something like that. In contrast to the 5,900 that commit suicide, 600 in that same time frame die from the fatal four. 
So our families are in crisis. And frankly, the pandemic doesn't pause that, right? Uh, you know, the, the pandemic doesn't pause suicide, mental health, or substance use. They continue. As a matter of fact, I believe they're pent up and there's pent up demand because our normal communication structure is disrupted. And how can we continue to help them? How can we be there to support and assist the member and their family in these times of need and let them know that they're not alone, that they have a network of 203,000 smart members and their families that can help a pathway forward for them. Hey, Joe, this is Michael. Those numbers are really shocking. 5,900 people in our industry die by suicide in one year compared to about 600 from major injuries, like almost 10 times as much. I hadn't heard those stats before, and that's just really shocking. Um, you just mentioned the pandemic. There's been some news coverage and recent studies that have shown rising rates of substance abuse, opioid use, and suicide since the pandemic started. How important do you think it is for us to focus on this issue and do these trainings, given that the pandemic continues and we still don't know when this is going to end? I think it's vitally important. So Shmoet was developed decades ago. And it's the uh, Sheet Metal Occupational Health Institute Trust. And it was established. And one of the main things that it worked on is mesothelioma or asbestos-related illnesses. I really think that the work that Schmoet has done with our education department has been vitally important to train our leaders across the United States and Canada and, and get into the apprenticeship programs and provide training for apprentices and then also continue to work through the rest of the membership so that they understand you know, what they can do, whether it's on the help giving side of it or on the help needing side of it. Um, it, it, is, it is truly vitally important for us to continue with that and, and to make sure that we're there for uh, our members and we're, we're there to help them through this difficult time. And as Ben said, we did start with Hurricane Harvey and then Hurricane Irene came in right behind that within days, and it just seemed like it's a barrage of hurricanes. There were five that hit Alabama just last year. Then you have all the wildfires in California. That's a lot of stress. And then you throw on pandemic stress. You throw on COVID stress. I think it's really vitally important. There's pent-up demand, and we need to rely on each other. We need to help each other. And through this training, we'll be able to identify how do we help and how do we ask for help. We're not great at asking for help, and we need to continue through this training and identifying the best source to do both. And uh, Joe, uh, one more question, and uh, also I'd like you to give the hotline number again, but uh, what is the one thing that you would encourage any member listening to this podcast to do if they, number one, feel in crisis, and number two, want to help someone who they think is in crisis? So I'll give you a personal experience. I, I was with a colleague of mine at a moment the day after the shooting in Las Vegas. Now that colleague, his two children were at the event. Now, thank God they weren't shot, but they were having a crisis and handling what they saw and observed was very difficult. And this brother of mine, I could tell that something was wrong or something was off. And I wanted to give them the smart map helpline. And I didn't have the card in my pocket. 
Now, I was able to know where to go and I was able to get it and I was able to forward it to my colleague within hours. But if I wasn't in that position to even, number one, first know about it and number two, get it and forward it. So I go to a lot of events. And when I talk about smart map, I talk about suicide prevention, mental health, substance use disorder. I always give this phone number out and I ask people to write it down. Schmoet has developed cards, business cards that fit in there just like your driver's license. I put it right behind my driver's license because I never, ever want to be in that position again of not to be able to help somebody with the helpline number or to be able to provide information on our members assistance program. So I will repeat the number. It is 877-884-6227. I would put that number right next to my driver's license or my union ticket, and I know where it's at. And if I run into that situation again, I will have it and be able to provide assistance to somebody that's in crisis. And a lot of times, minutes and seconds count. And being able to have that and provide that in the future will be important. Uh, General President Sellers, uh, we thank you once again. These programs that our union puts out, uh, it's another example of how it kind of goes right in. I got your back. These programs are another indication of how our union has the backs of our membership from the top on down and from the bottom on up. We thank you once again for joining us on the podcast, and we appreciate your time, sir. Yes, thank you, and everybody, please stay safe.